Today is unique in the sense as I was seeking the Lord, and I actually was, was praising him from my inner spirit in a song, and the Holy Spirit moved me about this analogy, this comparison. And so what I established and wrote out, if you read your e-blast, was that an instrument does not choose the musician, right? I mean, this instrument, it, it's inanimate until the musician gets on it and does something. It has all kind of potential, but it won't make a sound on its own. And it won't make the right sounds on its own. A musician doesn't create notes. Is that correct, Jeff? We play notes. We play notes. Jeff's out too. See that? Hello. Hello. Give him a microphone. All right. Thank you. A musician does not create notes, right? No, sir. We. Unless you do it with your voice, of course. <laughs> we play notes. We play notes. The notes are already created. We're capturing a mystery of God that is a sound that was given to us. Isn't that correct? No human being decided that they wanted to play a note called C, right? And then to make it a chord, a C chord, or an F chord, a G chord. Happened to be some of the chords we were just playing. Majesty, except we inverted them, C, G, F. And in that instance, you know, as we capture the symphony of sound, we walk and cross into a divine dimension. And the reason we know it's divine is because as we look at the conclusion of what is a compiled word of God and we get into the book of Revelation, we see some things about sound. For example, if we look in Revelation chapter 5, and we look at verse 8. And we talk about a divine handoff of the book. The book that opens the scroll in the book of life. This is what happens. This is how it's announced. This is how it's celebrated. How when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one having a harp. Now, can you imagine how many strings are on that harp? Can you imagine if maybe just one string plays almost every instrument? Can you imagine if just by thinking about it, that harp is able to transpose chords and create melodies? Well, here's what happens. It says they fall before the Lord, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. And we understand from the word of God, the incense is is about the praise and the prayers of the people of God. So they're lifting up this praise and prayer with sound unto the Lord, and these are the prayers of the saints. And by the way, that word prayer is interposed with praise. Praise and prayer of the saints. And, and then we see further on as we look at Revelation chapter 14, starting in verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 140,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 100, 
And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of, what are we doing here, my brother? Verse 2, just follow me. Verse 2. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. Now, let's stop on that a moment. The harp is one of the most ancient instruments we know about biblically. That and the timbrel and the drum and the, the, the horn as they would blow the horn. But the harp was the one that they were able to begin to create sound with. And there's a Talmudic prophecy, a rabbinical prophecy that comes out and says that when the harp returns to Israel, so will the Messiah come. And the harp returned to Israel about 20 years ago. And there was a, a couple, a Jew and his wife, that moved to Israel from Boston, and they began to create harps again and to, to manufacture and mold them out of wood, beautiful wood, and they put the strings of the harp on it. And so the anticipation of the rabbi of Jerusalem, when he looked at it and was presented one, he could only say the, the Messiah must be coming. He didn't say it was returning. He said he was coming. So the harp has an essential place. Music, instrument, has an essential prophetic place. And it's been established by the Lord himself as one of the themes of heaven. And it says that they heard the sound of harpists playing their harps, and it was like the voice of loud thunder, this prayer, this praise resonating in the heavenly places. And then we see it also in Revelation chapter 19. And in Revelation chapter 19, we see again this whole chord in verse 5. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. And as, as it were, I heard the voice of a great multitude, a chorus, a choir, a great multitude. Not just four and 24 elders, but a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thunderings singing and saying, Hallelujah for the Lord God, omnipotent reigns. And let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come. And so there was worship again at the marriage supper of the Lamb of God. And in that instance and in that understanding, we can worship and praise him knowing that we too have become instruments of God. And so what I challenged us to do starting into this new year was to tune up our faith. Because we can understand that when we're out of tune, even though we have the instrument, and the instrument is the Spirit of God inside of us, even though we have and we're tapped into the divine dimension of everything that is in harmony with the kingdom and the universe of God, not just a sound, but everything about Him, we have that capacity. But if we're not tuned, we don't sound very good. And so... We could be trying to play a song, but be playing it out of tune, and this might be what it sounds like. 
And that's a song. Play it one more time. That's a song. Can you tell what it is? Try it again. Out of tune. But here's what happens when it comes together and there's a unity of song and a unity of tune. can worship it. tune and in a key that's in harmony and in unity. A skilled and experienced musician has developed those skills over time. Now, yes, once in a while, in a very rare, rare, rare time, we hear about somebody who's born and all of a sudden they're just playing at a level and at a skill that is beyond natural comprehension. I don't think anybody up here was born that way. I mean, we, you know, we had, I have a, a little granddaughter that the moment from when she could move and music came on, she began to dance and she still does. So something's happening inside of that baby who's named after my mom, Cecilia. Something's happening inside of that baby. That baby is just clicking with any song. Doesn't matter what she's doing. She could be crying and a song comes on and she just starts to move with it. I'm assuming she's gonna be playing an instrument pretty soon because she hears it, she feels that it's inside of her. There's a spirit developing inside of her about music. But there's many ways you hone your skills. And first of all, some of us were caused to practice an instrument even when we didn't want to, right? And for me, and I think I'm speaking for most of us, it really didn't catch until I had a passion for it. All I did was become a, a reader of music. Not even music that I cared about that much. But then, in about 30 minutes of time, I sat down with a man who had 
learned theory. He knew theory. I didn't know theory. I knew music. It's like somebody who under, reads the Word of God, but they don't understand the Word of God. The Word of God isn't living to them. It's just words on a paper. That's what music is to a musician who doesn't have passion for it. Because you see, what transcends from passion is the personality of the song and the melody. Your crescendos, they go higher and louder and they span farther. And when you diminish and your diminuendos come down, you end up taking a pause. There's not a competition of music and voices. It's finding the sound. Many, many times in my experience in music, especially when I did a lot of studio work and traveled and that, it was always trying to find the sound, not just to make music. So sometimes there would be endless hours of musicians just playing, just playing, random playing until there was a sound. And once there was a sound, then you knew that you could end up taking that and transforming the Spirit of God inside of you as you take the living Word and it's no longer random and it's no longer legal and it's no longer just words in a book but all of a sudden it's living with your Spirit. And just one word from the Spirit can trigger that passion that changes everything. It can relieve somebody from a depression. It can bring hope in the midst of despair. It can bring peace in the midst of chaos. It can bring health in the midst of injury and disease. And what is a dark valley can all of a sudden become a ray of sunshine it may not shine on the whole valley, but it may shine on you and in you. And let the glory of the Lord rise up inside of us. And so, a musician finds that time and that place where music becomes, if you will, another sense of their being. And that's when you truly cross over. That's when you move from just performing songs to being able to communicate in a message and communicate in a sound that is beyond earth. And that's what happens in the spirit. When we hone our faith, when we tune our faith, when we work on building up the spirit of God inside of us, there's a voice that's crying out because that's his spirit in you. That's his spirit in you. That's his spirit in me. And here's the most unique thing about it. I could try to learn to play a wind instrument. The closest I got was a trombone. <laughs> Hard to do things on a trombone a lot. Hard to carry I mean, you're just basically an instrument in the band. I chose it because they needed one and it looked cool. And you could go and do some things with it. I was by far not a good trombonist. I could 
make a decision today that I want to play saxophone. I want to play clarinet and try to hone the skills, first of all, with my lips and my mouth, which Jeff will tell you doesn't come natural, does it, Jeff? No, sir. And boy, you just get off of that one minute and that instrument has no value to you. And I could tell you that I could try to do that for the rest of the years of my life, and I will not get to the level of playing that instrument like Pastor Green does. Because number one, he has a passion for it. He's had a passion for it. You've honed that skill. You've practiced that skill. And the next thing you have is what? When you pick up that instrument, what do you expect? To do what I tell it to do. (laughs) (laughs) Confidence. Absolutely. You know that if you play it in a certain way, it's going to give you the sound that you're looking for. And you respect that instrument. You honor that instrument. You keep it. You keep it ready and prepared to play. Now, Leanne, you know, you live in song. I know that because you send us songs all week. You live in song. It's, you don't know how to not live in song. You don't know how to have a relationship with the Lord without song and praise. It's so much of you. But if you were to not sing and not play piano for two years, what do you think would happen? If I didn't do that, and if I didn't do that inside, I would feel like I would shrivel up or dry up into just something or other. And then all of a sudden, you know, you walk into a church and there's a big uh, worship thing that's gonna happen all over the world and on TV and the focus comes on and it says, Leanne, we want you to lead a song. How would you feel? Oh, unprepared. <laughs> would you have confidence? Oh. What might happen, is it called rusty, Walt? <laughs> Walt, if you don't practice, I know you practice because you come in here when I'm here sometimes. I say, hi, Walt, what's up? I'm coming to practice. He comes in in the dark and he practices. What happens? Walt, when you don't practice, you get off. Your chops aren't there. You feel them. You hear them. You know they're supposed to be there, but they don't come out. That's what happens when we're out of tune in the faith. That's what happens when our spirit's out of sync. That's what happens when James says in James chapter 4. Let's look at this a minute. Let's go to James chapter 4, and I probably want to look at, let me see what the scripture is. Let's look starting in verse 1. Let's start in verse 1 of chapter 4. It's worth reading. Because, you see... The, the good, the blessing, the wonder of the Word of God, it's, it's how you're approaching it and what you're receiving from it given a certain time and experience and what you're asking for in your life. Now, this could have one meaning five years ago to you or even yesterday, but today it's going to have even another meaning to you. It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? 
that war in your members? You know, James, he's reducing this thing all down to the flesh. Now, he wasn't so much talking about a war between nations. He was talking about division and strife within the body. He was talking about what's going on with believers and Christians. He's not talking to the world. The world wouldn't even listen to this. The world would tell you that war comes from somebody wanting what you have and they don't have it. Or because of a hatred they can't under, understand. I remember when my wife and I went to uh, Bosnia to preach and they had just ended that war and the two factions hated each other so much that they didn't even know why they hated each other. There was no explanation for it. They had lost. It was like the Hatfield and McCoys. It, they just hated each other because that's what they do for so long. They just don't like each other. So James says this happens because there's something going inside of you that's not right. Next verse. You lust and do not have. You want stuff, you want pleasures, you want things, you want, you want what the world has that you don't have, and so you murder and covet and cannot obtain. Now, again, he's not saying that somebody went out and murdered somebody. He's talking about murdering it in the will and in the heart. You murder relationships. You murder your place in the body of Christ. You murder a pastor. <laughs> you murder somebody somehow that doesn't quite fulfill what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. I know of a church that I ended up having to take on for a while. It was all broken. They murdered every pastor that came in there. They had a, a reputation as a pastor-killing church. And those, those poor people, those pastors would go out of there crippled and broken and, 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 and just wounded. And, and so many times we've had in this small little congregation a pastor or somebody come in here crippled and wounded who was totally disrespected and never given an opportunity. And in fact, ostracized by churches and pastors and leadership for whatever their reasons were, most of the time it's insecurity. So you murder and you covet what you don't have. I want what so-and-so has in the body of Christ, and if I can't have what they have, I'm, I'm going to see if I can find it somewhere else. <laughs> You covet it. But he then tells us it's the wrong motive. You, you fight and you war, and you don't have because you don't ask. So first of all, he's saying is you're trying to take it. You're trying to find your things in life that you don't have, but you forget who the source is. It's the Father. You don't ask the Father. And then he goes on to teach us a little more in verse 3. And then you ask, but you don't receive, and you're wondering, why don't I receive? What happened? He's saying, you're telling me, James, James, I ask. You're wrong. I ask, and I still don't have it. And then usually it's a paraphrase, but Dr. Bing has it. And then he says, why don't I have it? Dr. Bing got it. I asked. He asked. Who am I? What am I to you? Am I rubble under your feet, Father? Why does this person have it and I don't have it? He says, because you ask amiss. Your motives aren't right. 
you're out of tune. Your spirit is out of tune. Your spirit is tuned to that note that says, it's mine, I want it now. But in harmony with God, it's His. And the Lord says, I'll do what's best for you at the right time when it's supposed to be. And maybe there's a paraphrase. Maybe it's, Frank, if I give you that now, it's going to destroy you. You can't handle it. Oh, Lord, trust me. Oh, yeah, you want me to trust you? Or do you want me to be the father who's in your future, in your past, in your present, who says, Ben, I got it. Trust me, son. When the time's right, you can handle it. You and mama, you're going to be blessed with this. How many times have you seen somebody's gift in the Lord become their curse? Huh? You're shaking your head, brother. How many times have we seen faith healers so blessed, so anointed, hundreds of people that they go like this and the whole audience falls over backwards? And then we read them about them a year later and they got problems with the IRS and their wife left them and they got issues where they're seen coming out of a hotel with another evangelist. This is real stuff I'm talking about. I'm not making this up. And their gift became their curse. The gift of authority becomes a huge curse if it's not handled with humility. How many times have we seen ministries grow and grow and and there's a figurehead, huh? A man, a woman. Sometimes a man and a woman. And all of a sudden, their authority becomes their vice. And they've lost the compassion and the love for the sheep. And the business of the ministry becomes more important because their lust for the world is overcoming their passion for God. You ask, but you don't receive it because you're not asking the right way because you want to have it so that you can spend it on your own pleasures. Lord, I want a ministry that goes around the world. And when I have it, I want to go around the world in a Gulf Stream 5. Because, by the way, that way I can get here and then over here and over there. And you need me to be here, there, and there. And now, Lord, you need me all over the place. because You gave me that gift, and my phone's ringing. Oh, yeah, Lord, I know Quentin could go do the same thing, but he doesn't have the golf five. I got the golf five. And he doesn't have the prayer partners. I got the prayer partners. I, 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 I. And I need to keep it going because if it stops, the business of my ministry, and then I'm just a regular preacher as if that's something less. (laughs) What is the price of a soul? The price of a soul is that one soul that can change the world. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Next verse, this is going to start ringing your bells. 
You're adulterers and adulteresses. What? No, Lord, now, come on. Now you're getting really, you're out of it. You lost it. I've never, never been an adulterer. I've never, never been an adulteress. Who are you talking about? You must be talking about some non-believers or some backsliding Christians. And ain't me. Do you not know? Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? If your alignment is first to be a friend of the world, then whatever you're a friend with the world in, you're an enemy with God in. There's a, a man that I've watched his life, and, and, and I'm not going to tell you who he was. I just watched him on an interview, and it was on TBN, and he's, he's, he's huge. He's got his own studios. He's, he, he used to be homeless, and, and he came out and basically made a, an apology, but more of an explanation about why he's doing some R films. But yet, man, when he preached and gave the word of God, wow. The anointing was there because the gifts and calling of God are never taken away. So if I didn't know the Word of God, I'd be a bit confused. If I didn't know the Word of God and I didn't look at this and I didn't know that it would be enmity with God for me to be involved in producing our films, films with naked people and sex and words that we don't want to repeat that don't glorify God, that even say GD and things like that. If I didn't know the Word of God, I'd say, well, since he's doing it, and since he's walking with that anointing, wow, listen to him, and listen to all the people in that huge place stood up, about 7,000 of them, praising God while he said it. But he said, listen, you gotta understand, I do these R films because I'm an artist. You know what, Walt, I'm just gonna go do a hip hop song that just uses all the worst words. Please, brother, forgive me, because I know the word of God, but I'm an artist. Walt gonna look at me and say, Frank, I love you, brother, but I'm out of here. He'd be dusting his feet. I hope you would. But you see what the world comes to? Do you see what we're trying to be led to? You see what we're being spoon-fed? We have presidents and people that all of a sudden we want to worship and adore because they said they believe in God and a bunch of pastors get behind them. But on the other hand, they're serving hell with all they got. But we get confused. And we've tried to say, well, one serving hell more than the other. <laughs> We're trying to say it's okay to be a little R-rated in what you're doing because you're an artist. You're a politician. You're a teacher. You see, as a teacher, you're not supposed to put your own faith into the children. Oh, really? Because it's not your own faith, it's his faith. If you're called to be a teacher, you're called to share the kingdom of, come on, you're called to share the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he adds all these other things unto us. If you're called to be a preacher, it's not that you're called to be to a different set of values. You're called to be the values of the kingdom of God with the people that you teach. If you're called to be a musician, you're called to praise God with the gifts of God with all that you have. The greatest test for me as I look back now was laying down my album. A few of you heard it. I mean, it's good music. It was done very well. It was 
a lot of money was spent in it. They put a lot of money behind me. They honed me for two years to send me out as a private artist. Very well done. But the words not only didn't glorify God, some of them cussed God because I didn't know any better. And as hard as it was with, with the, the, the tour there, the launch of the, it was right at the launch, right at the tour, a worldwide tour, right at everything. Everything that I've been dreaming and working for for 10 years, starting off as a little kid. And I had to lay it down. And I could not pick this instrument back up for 10 years. Things that became part of me since I was seven years old started playing when I was four. I couldn't pick them back up because every time I did, the spirit inside of me was lusting after the old stuff. And the old sounds were still coming in my head. And I had to lay it down until one day I was delivered of it and I could worship and praise God with a clean slate. And that old man music was gone. And the new song came out. And I look at that now and I see it as a transformation for every one of us. There's things that we need to let go of that we need to have the Lord get the eraser out and walk away. They could be false teachings that came from good people. Go fly away, Lord Jesus. You ain't gonna fly away, Jesus is coming. Huh? You can walk around trying to paint everything with the blood of Jesus. You don't have a paintbrush with a bucket with his blood in it. We don't want to let go of him because it seemed right, but, but it holds you back from going to another place, to another level. It holds you back from just declaring the word of God and, and the power of God like you've been recreated in the spirit of God to do, not asking for somebody to do something else in another step that gets between you and the authority of a new creation, new creature that you have. We have so many things in our lives that we have to undo, unwalk away from, and other ones that we need to plant and to grow upon a firm foundation with. And so, you know, people make a lot of resolutions at this time of the year, right? We've all heard it. We've done it. Days passed, right? I don't do it anymore because to me it's just another day. We're going into another day. All things are new. Old things have passed away. So we're just going to work for the new. But if we were going to say, let's do one thing as we want to refresh ourselves, renew ourselves, how about if we say, Let's tune up our faith. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us those things that aren't quite synchronized in harmony with the Lord, that are out of sync, out of tune, that have a blemish on them. And ask the Lord to help us to put them in synchronization and to align them so that, you know what? You'll know when your spirit's in harmony with God. Don't you know it? And you know when it's not? And sometimes, Leanne, it's not that you did something, it's somebody else close to you does something and your spirit is, ooh, and inside of it you have chaos. Huh? Nothing will push a parent's butt more than a child that gets out of sync with God. And it's like, ooh. And as a parent, you want to control that child and put them back in place, but then you realize the more you try to control them, the more they're going to fight you. So you finally give in and say, Lord, I give to you because I'm doing a terrible job. Huh? But then something happens, Ben, done, you get a release. 
Hi, Ralph, it's not mine. It's yours, Lord. It's yours. So then you begin to pray in a way and intercede in a way and to fine tune your spirit and your instruments so that you're in tune with the spirit of God. And you say, Lord, this word tells me that me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. We shall serve the Lord. Lord, my child, I'm going to serve you, Lord. Amen. Now you do it. You do it. And Lord, this word tells me if you have one you love, 1 John 5, 15, that is not sin to sin to death, ask me for that soul and I will give that to you. Give me that soul, Lord. I want that soul in my bloodline. Lord, you're the God of the past, the present, and the future. You go in and change the bloodline, Lord. You go back to whoever that foul grand, 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 grand daddy of mine was, and you fix it. And don't let it stay me. And you go on ahead and make sure that the babies of my babies are walking in you, Lord. Because that's who you are. And all of a sudden, you've got to release because what? As we discussed last week, you've been delivered from the curse of time. And time has become your advocate. Right? Just like Amos said. It's when the harvester overtakes the one planting the seed. And all of a sudden, you're the harvester instead of the one who's trying to find the seed. And you're saying, Lord, harvest them, harvest them, harvest them, Lord, I'm with you. Lord, let's walk hand in hand. I'll say it, you do it. Because the will of the Lord is he gave his only begotten son that every soul shall be saved. And whomsoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. And sometimes you need to be the whomsoever for somebody else. Sometimes you need to stand in that gap and take the authority that God has given you in your bloodline, with your power. The Kingsman redemption law of God has never been annulled. Jesus said, I haven't come to destroy the law, I've come to fulfill it. He came as a kinsman redeemer that we might be kinsman redeemers so that we too, like him, can look for all the way to the past and all the way to the future and declare that our generations shall serve the Lord God. That's the authority that you have. And that's the will of God. That's the will of God. God honors us when we honor his will. Now, Leanne is our worship pastor, and as such, she, she seeks the Lord, and sometime during the week, we get a list of songs that she feels led of the Lord, and she carefully synchronizes them, don't you? You make sure the keys float into the keys, that the transitions work, that the mood works, that... And then we come and we rehearse them and we bring the skills that we have at whatever level we're at and we find our place in the song. We find when we should be and where we shouldn't be, how we should play what we shouldn't play. We stop when we need to stop and get the meter right, to get the time right, to get the tempo right, to find the mood. And then what those and this isn't meant in a, in, in, in a dishonoring way to the Spirit of God, but it's one of the things that we refer to as musicians that come together. We seek for that magic moment, that moment when we cross over and all of a sudden everything's working together. That supernatural moment when it's not just an instrument, but it's synchronized instruments 
synchronized voices. But more so than that, it's when the Spirit of God overwhelms. We know when that happens. And that's what we strive to enter into all the time with worship. And that's what you strive to enter into. And when we all enter into that together, there's a wonderful melody with the Lord. Our spirits are pleasing God. And so it is. So it is with the Lord. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enmity of God. And finally this verse. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. You know we don't often think of the Holy Spirit as jealous. We like to think of the Holy Spirit as comforter, teacher, advocate, peace, joy. This is the blessings of the Holy Ghost, right? He's jealous. The Holy Spirit isn't apart from the Father. The Father's a jealous God. Let there be no God before me or other than me or anything else. Let there be no idols. Let your words be true. And that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit inside of us is a jealous spirit. Jealous for what? Jealous for all of your heart, all of our passion, all of our mind, all of us in him and not in the world. Whenever we take this foot over the line and stick it in the world, we trigger jealousy of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And what does that happen? What it means? It means that all of a sudden what you're asking for, you're asking for a miss. And you know, I've learned in my life, there were times in my life when the Lord tolerated me more than he does now. <laughs> I would put my toe over the line and he'd just tolerate it for a while and then I'd get a smack and then I'd repent and go back. But I'm going to tell you what, I, t I stick my foot over that line now, I'm expecting him to cut my toes off. And then I understand what Jesus said, it's better for you to pluck your eye out than to look the wrong way. It's rather for you to cut your hand off than to do the wrong thing. All of a sudden, it's like, there's a jealous spirit inside of me. And so then I release that spirit. And that's my prayer. Oftentimes, as Holy Spirit, don't let me walk over the line. Don't let me stay in the gray area. Pull me back. Slap me. Do what you need to do. Get my attention before I do damage to me, but most of all to anybody else. That's always my heart. When God puts you in a place where you know that you impact others, I believe we need a heart of compassion and fear of the Lord that says, don't let me hurt anybody else. Because you know what happens when not? You get somebody who preaches well, who's very, 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 very successful in the world, has a sphere of influence, a wide audience, and they tell you, you'll tolerate me doing our movies because I'm an artist. So then I want to go do an our book or just watch our movies because it's artistic. Huh? It's like taking the name Jesus Christ and putting a foul play on it called Jesus Christ Superstar. It's Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Look at the play. Look what that came out of and look where that ended up. But it's artistic, Frank. You don't understand. We're artists. I understand 
we are artists. I was one too. I still am, but I'm an artist for the Lord now. And the world, the world may not give you and I prosperity and blessings from it, but there's treasures in heaven that moth and rust don't corrupt. And there's a peace of the Spirit that nothing can buy. Nothing can buy. So I want to close with this. Romans 12, verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. In the New International Version, it says, live in harmony (laughs) with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful what to do is right in the eyes of everyone. Oh, be careful for what to do is right in the eyes of everyone. No, but I'm an artist. (laughs) Hmm? You see, we don't have, we don't have the luxury, if you want to call it, but I call it the curse of walking two paths at once. What you used to do, you shouldn't do anymore. You can't do anymore. And if you're doing it, then I'm telling you why your prayers aren't being answered. It's not because of me. I'm not religious Frank who's telling you why. I'm just bringing you the word of God. I'm the one who puts that litmus test to myself more than I do anybody else. And boy, when I find myself up an impasse and I know in my spirit, I know it may have nothing to do with the circumstances. It's probably got to do with me. And that's where I go. And I go to that word of God. And all of a sudden the truth jumps out. And the spirit inside of me delights in the fact that I'm bringing light into the darkness. And where there's light, there can be no dark. And all of a sudden we're what's called illuminated in the truth of the Lord God. Let's go to this one. A second, please. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The right definition of that word grieve is don't bring the Holy Spirit to sorrow. Don't cause the Holy Spirit to feel grief. How many of you know the Holy Spirit feels your emotions? Do you know that? The Holy Spirit knows and resonates when your emotions are excited with the joy in the Lord and the Holy Spirit knows when your emotions are being motivated by lust and walking away from the Lord. So, I can grieve the Holy Spirit by not allowing myself to be led of Him or by choosing my own way when I have a choice. I grieve the Holy Spirit by not obeying Him. 
And finally this, Acts chapter 9, verse 15 from Apostle Paul. And this is you. And this is me. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. And the better interpretation of that is, he is a chosen instrument (laughs) of mine to carry my name. Forget about the assignment to the Gentiles and the Israel. Stop right there. You are a chosen instrument of God. I am a chosen instrument of God to do what? To carry his name. Wow. Do you know what happens when royalty begins to blame royalty? You see the mess and the chaos that's going on in England, devouring each other, the lust of pride and money the division that comes in, the Jezebel spirits and attitudes. It's just, whoa. Interesting, the queen died right when all hell was breaking out. Not an accident. And that's what happens with us. We're many members, but we're one body. I don't have Leanne's gift. Man, I'd sound, look like somebody with only, you know, left hands trying to play the drums like Walt. I can't touch Jeff on the wind instruments. I can only do with what I have to do, but I sure enjoy and appreciate and respect being able to worship with them and come together and make a sign, sound. And I sure respect and enjoy coming together with y'all as many members of a body. And I've come to not only respect and enjoy that, I've come to need that. I've come to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. And so what happens when we get out of place in the body, when we realize that We're not the left finger, maybe we're the pinky today. You know, we're not the eye, maybe we're the ear. We're not the head, maybe we're the tail. We're something in between. When we can respect the body of Christ and know that we're a member of the body of Christ, then and only then can we carry as an instrument the name of God. No person can carry the name of God themselves. No person can fulfill the mission of God themselves. I want to leave this thought with you. As I was in my office early this morning praying and just musing about this, thinking back and processing forward, and sometimes by the grace of God, things move very fast in a short period of time within my spirit and my head. I thought back on Billy Graham. I never had the pleasure of meeting Billy Graham. Met many others, not Billy Graham. Franklin, yes, Billy, no. And I was thinking about this. Here's a man, nobody could question or doubt 
the anointing and call on this man's life and all the world. Never been one like him before. I don't know if there ever will be. So what's happened is we found while he was going out and paving ways and having an anointing to just bring people to Christ and to correct people in faith, to, to have this platform that God supernaturally gave him before social media, before Christian networks, <laughs> before Gulfstream Fives, and he was making this impact across the world and going into filling the, 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 the Yankee Stadium. Places that the world wouldn't want him in and people were coming in throes and throngs. I thought about this for a moment. Just what if instead of a whole bunch of people deciding they needed to be like Billy Graham and build the business of ministry, what have happened if the whole body of Christ just got behind Billy Graham? What might have happened? What might have happened if there wasn't a competition? What might have happened if there wasn't too many prayer partners given to too many people? What might have happened? Do you realize if we took all the prayer partners, <laughs> it's going to blow your mind, Walt. We took all the prayer partners that are given into all of the ministries around the earth that say they're the one that's called for their ministry to go out across the globe. If we took all those prayer partners and funneled all those resources together, listen to this, we could purchase nations. What do you say? Yeah, we could go into nations, purchase their resources and declare them for God by using the wealth of the heathen. Ah, have you heard that one before? But there's no unity. There's the business of the ministry. There's carrying the name of I instead of the name of God. So, thank you for tolerating me. I get like this. Yes, it's about us fine-tuning ourselves, but it's also a clarion voice to the body and the kingdom. We need to prepare for the coming of the Lord. We need to become a body again. We haven't been a body in a long time. We need to iron out the wrinkles and we need to get out the chlorex and get rid of the spots and the blemishes. We need to have respect, honor, need for one another. We need to have zero tolerance for the things of the world coming into the kingdom of God. We need to be those who will not be moved to the left or the right, but will walk that straight and narrow path. Because when Jesus comes back, beloved, he's going to be focused like a laser. He's not going to come in straggling and bumbling and walking all over the place. He's going to come right in. And he's going to be looking for a bride that's right in. There'll be sheep, there'll be goats, all believers. The sheep, ready. The goats, I'm an artist. 
I just do what I do because I'm an artist. And Jesus said, oh yeah. Get away from me, I don't know you. Pastor, you're being tough. No, I'm preaching the word of God. <sighs> you can all let out a sigh with me. Help me, bang. <sighs> Give the Lord a hand. Father, make us instruments of praise, instrument of word, instruments for the kingdom of God. Let us be, Father, an orchestra together, small, large, whatever. Let us, Father, be a semblance of the kingdom of God here on earth for you now. Jesus, we do say come quickly, but oh my God, Holy Spirit, you got a lot of work to do inside of us and inside of the body. Holy Spirit, Go into overtime, will you please? Start moving faster than you've ever moved. Let the A's be A's and the nays be nays, Father. Let the body of Christ have a louder voice than anybody can dampen. When it stopped one way, open it up another way, Father. Let the true people of God that stand up without their own ambitions, their own lusts, give them, Father, the place they need to be, to be voices within the body. Voices, Father, in the shadows, Voices in the alleys, voices, Father, on the networks, voices standing with feet on nations, Lord God. Voices that cry out in the middle of the night and you hear, Father, the distress of your people. Holy Father, we repent unto you. We repent unto you personally. I repent unto you, Father, for all of my shortcomings, past and present. And I pray, Father, you help me to avoid them in the future. I pray, Father, and repent unto you for, the, for the, the, broken, the broken leg of the body of Christ, Father, for the stained garments that we wear, for the exceptions and compromises that we make, Lord God, for the abandonment and the adultery and the adulteresses, for not carrying your name as we should, Lord. Forgive us, Father. Help us, Lord. Father, we take solace in knowing you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, that your love will be with us and never be separated from us. Lord, nudge us, help us, move us, take us, keep us, add unto the kingdom of God here on earth, Lord Jesus. And finally, we do say, Lord, however you do it, come quickly, Lord. Come quickly, Lord. This world's getting pretty dark, pretty foul pretty satanic. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I'd like to take an offering. In fact, I'm, I'm going to defer to uh, Pastor Ralph to take that offering. and I'm going to ask Patty to close us. I still feel a little unction in my spirit like we have something unfinished. What is it, Lord? Oh, I know what it is. Uh, Anwar and Anita, will you come up, please? Come stand right here. I'd like the pastors to come up, please. Come put an arm on them. Turn and, 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 turn and face. Come right here. Turn and face. 